welcome back to another episode of the Art First Commerce Podcast. This week is with cinematographer Adam Newport Berra. Um, really interesting guy, really has done a ton of interesting work in music video, commercial, and film. Uh, recently, his work has been all over the internet because he has done um, the past two Chance the Rapper videos. And he's also done a Hame video that's a one on the streets of L.A. And so there's just, I mean, I can I can list off a lot of Cashmere Cat. Um, I can just keep going with the, the music videos that he's done. And in terms of films, most recently he did Barry, which is about uh, Barack Obama. And it's on Netflix now. Um, and he has at least four other four other feature films under his belt um, that you can all see either the trailers to or links to on his website. And so, you know, another conversation with another with a cinematographer. Um, there was a lot of interesting connections, I think, with the conversation that we had uh, the week before with Sean Porter. And I think that that kind of speaks also to how their work is in that, you know, as with Adam, a lot of his work is eclectic in a certain sense and it allows for you know whatever the subject is about to really take for for the cinematography to take on what's necessary of that project in particular but at the same time there there is there's something where you can kind of always get a vibe that it's his work and Adam tries to put into words why you can have those two seemingly competing things and it's cool I mean I think it's a hard thing to 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 really hone in and, and do better at and it's a longer road but it's one that I think is really rewarding because you're constantly trying to not inflict your will on something but really um, take in what the project wants and also what the collaborators want he is um, really he kept bringing up throughout the hour just the ways that what matters to him the most Really, it just keep, it just kept coming down to people, and people who are collaborative and open, and honest, and are trying to do something that is true to themselves and that might just be true to life. And so, you know, hearing his process, um, some technical aspects of a few of the shoots, and really just getting an understanding for how someone can um, get to this point and have this type of uh, work under their belt and where and where they hope it to go. He's a um, a calm, cool, and collected guy. And um, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. Just some housekeeping. If you can like and comment on iTunes, that will help spread the uh, conversation and the show further. We're on all social media channels at AVC Pod. That's our handle. And for any inquiries, questions, or uh, guest ideas, you can email uh, this show's producer, Courtney Ryan, at Courtney at AVCPod.com. So this week is with cinematographer Adam Newport Barra. I pride myself on being pretty adaptable to different styles and different directors and different looks. I mean, I think the more I work and the more I'm able to choose the projects I want to do and the people I want to work with, the more my sort of style gets to be honed in. But at the same time, there's so much that I love doing and enjoy doing and every director is different and has a different, you know, palette and aesthetic and vocabulary for how they approach projects that I really try to keep my work diverse and try to keep learning from these directors and keep trying to push what I'm doing. So I think in a lot of ways, I like to think that my work is somewhat recognizable throughout what I do. But at the same time, I think it's really important that the director and everyone else who's working on the project is influencing me and my work and, you know, we're working together. So I think it's, it's, I'd like to think that there's a lot of diversity there. Yeah, totally. I would I would agree. And how would 
would you how do you think you'd be able to sum up what that thing is that it's still your work and kind of identifiable even though it really runs the gamut in terms of uh, yeah ideas looks tones aesthetic it's interesting but yet it still kind of feels like you how, how do you describe that i mean it's it's hard to say i think everyone i mean i see it in a lot of the dps that i admire that are working now and i think it's just you know part of it is the color palette some of it is mm. composition some of it's camera movement um some of it's just pacing i'm not sure really what it is and part of it is just the projects that we choose to work on you know that we say that we kind of we start to see projects pop up and i'm like i know who shot it before i you know before i even look it up because i see just i see that their touch on it so for me it's really hard to say what that might be and i think i'm still kind of all over the place all over the board because i'm still working with a lot of different people but um yeah i don't know i think for me it's just about some level of heightened naturalism that i really appreciate you know trying to keep things based in something really real and intimate but also stepping it up a level with you know, with the lighting or with the camera movement. Um, but as far as like specifics, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words. Um, I think it's just, I tend to gravitate towards certain compositions and colors and brightness levels that, you know, it's starting to become a consistent thing that people recognize maybe. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that that answered it pretty well with that like heightened naturalism um, and the colors. I mean, it's funny, you know, because there is something quite real about, you know, the music video with Chance and yet there's puppets. But like it doesn't matter because the puppets were like just taken in a real form, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, going back, was it always going to be that you were going to be a DP? Were you ever interested in other roles in production? Um, I mean, I went to, so I went to NYU for film and I was a pretty naive kid who just went to film school, assuming that I'd figure out a way to become a director. <laughs> like everyone at NYU. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I came from a skateboard background. I got into making movies through just shooting skate videos when I was a kid growing up, you know, from when I was like 12 years old to when I went to college, I was doing skate videos and snowboard videos and, um, you know, doing some my own short film projects on the side. But when I got to school, I kind of started to realize that that my background in photography and in doing a lot of shooting was that I had a lot more experience with the camera than a lot of my classmates did. So mm. I started to gravitate towards shooting other people's projects. And I think part of it was also that I was just super excited about what everyone was doing. And I wanted to help people make that projects happen like to me like being a part of a team is super fun and super rewarding and i felt like often that was more validating than making my own projects you could do more of them too yeah and it just it's it feels it's really gratifying to be to feel like an important part of someone's team to like bring their project you know to life so for me that was hugely gratifying so i had a couple of classmates who sort of encouraged me to start shooting more which was really awesome. And I basically just uh, reached out to like every upperclassman DP that I could get their contact info. And I just asked them if like I could be their bitch. <laughs> and I was like, just throw me on set and like tell me to do anything. And I just tried, oh, to, tried to watch from the sidelines and, you know, work my ass off for them and just took as much advice and I tried to ask questions when I wasn't being too invasive. And, um, you know, it was just a constant learning process from those people. And then they sort of, as they graduated and moved on, they would start to kick me jobs they didn't want to do. So I was yeah. kind of thrown into jobs that I maybe or definitely was not qualified for and just kind of faking it. Well, how are you dealing with that? 
I mean, obviously, there's a difference between mistakes that are, um, you know, detrimental and ones that, you know, maybe you can think about afterwards, but at the end of the day, like, the job went fine. Like, what kind of mistakes were you making and how were you processing that? I mean, I don't think I ever made any, like, big mistakes. It was more just that I was kind of winging it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I wasn't always as prepared as I could be or I didn't always have the answer to the director of the producer's questions. And I'd have to go back and, like, ask a friend what they were asking for what they meant or you know mm. get advice on which gear to use but the more i work in this industry the more i realize that's just kind of like how it works because there's no real there are different ways to like get education and knowledge about our industry but at the end of the day like everyone i know just gets their gets their hands dirty and starts just working and learning from people and you know being around totally. the process and that's how we that's how we learn and that's how we like grow so um I think you, it's just about keeping it, you know, keeping your composure and pretending like you know what you're doing, which I still kind of feel like I do every day. There you go. Um, do you know, do you remember like the first time that you felt on a project that there was a little bit of confidence there that you that you were, you know, I guess perf- achieving what you were setting out to do and that the, something had kind of clicked? That's a good question, actually. Um, I think the first time that happened was, it was the second movie that I had shot a movie called All the Wilderness, which we shot in Portland a few years ago. and uh, So only a few years ago Well, for, for that level of, of confidence. I understand that, though, if that's the case. I don't know what, um, I don't know what, uh, what year exactly we shot it. We could look it up. But, you know, I'm like, I think part of it is that, like, like anyone else who's doing what I'm doing, we're, like, always pushing ourselves to try out new stuff and mm-hmm. be, to challenge ourselves and make the you know make stuff weirder and you know push the boundaries a little bit sorry i just said a bunch of really cheesy phrases in one sentence but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i think we're just trying to always invent a new way to do what we're doing and i think that's no matter what it's a little bit scary because we don't know if it's going to work and so i think even today like there are some jobs i walk in on and i feel really confident that we're going to get what we set out to do and there are other jobs where the director is really ambitious and wants to try doing a one-shot music video that no one has done that exact same thing before and we're trying something new and you know you're working with uh, musicians or dancers who maybe don't understand the process entirely and it's just a collaboration of a bunch of people and you just kind of hope it works out you know and those are like the super gut-wrenching nerve-wracking moments where it's like you only have a certain amount of time to shoot and a limited budget but we're trying to do something really ambitious and it's nerve-wracking and I don't we're not sure we're going to get it. And then there are other jobs where you walk on and it's all boarded out and it's all perfectly prepped and it just feels like, you know, it feels... Going through those motions, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's nice to have that balance, but I definitely thrive off of the, the jobs where I get to really push things and I get to work with people and directors who are pushing me out of my comfort zone because I think it's really easy in our industry to fall back on sort of the language that we know best. Yeah. And... There's something to be said about that, and I think it's important to have that skill, but at the same time, it's what pushes the industry forward are those people who are, you know, really pushing what they're doing and making people think differently about how things can can be seen and be done. Totally, and I think a lot of what you're talking about in terms of pushing and not doing the same thing, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with Sean Porter, uh, uh-huh. and... He was kind of he was pretty much saying the same kind of thing, and I actually find a similarity with your guys' work in the sense of really adapting to the needs of a project versus kind of forcing your aesthetic on it only. 
And I mean, in the beginning, how were you choosing jobs or directors to work with? Because, you know, you're on a course at this point, but in the beginning, I think it could be a little challenging to make sure that you're taking the right jobs. And I'm curious how you were dealing with that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a constant process in this industry where, you know, no matter who you are and what you're doing and how successful you are, we're always trying to figure out how we can, you know, have a better career and have better projects. I think, you know, most of us are never truly satisfied with where we're at and we always want that next best thing, you know, the next director to work with the next movie or music video or commercial that will step up our career one step. So for me, it's just kind of a constant process of trying to get those jobs that I think are going to like really fit my aesthetic and work people that are going to push me in ways that are going to, I'm going to do my best work. So in the beginning, I mean, in the beginning, honestly, I was a college kid in a ton of debt who just needed to make money. So <laughs> I was just hustling as much as I could and basically shooting anything I could get my hands on just so I could pay my rent and pay my loans off which, you know, was frustrating at times, but at the same time, it's, I think, a good... Kind of gets you in the right mentality of constantly shooting, too. And it's a good practice to be like, to, to know that when I get to a point where I can be more selective with the job, like, I really appreciate, I cherish that now. Like, I'm so grateful at the work I get to do and the people I get to work with. And I think it's just part of that was just putting in the work early on. And I think everyone's path is different. Mm. And I think some people kind of have, like, breakout projects that, really highlight what they do and that can be their calling card and for me I think it was more just like the constant grind of just working my ass off and meeting a lot of people and trying to be so you're saying there wasn't really a breakout job that you can kind of think of I don't know I mean I think there were a few projects um I did this music video for the dirty projectors years ago when I was still in college that got a lot of recognition and was super fun and I think that was helpful the first movie I did was called first winter which got me uh, signed with my first agent, which was awesome. How was that experience? I mean, I, our last um, episode that went live was with Walter Partos and speaking with an agent and picking an agent's brain. It was fascinating. Because I, I think that a lot of people talk about things like, you know, there it's this double-edged sword where everyone's like, yeah, you know, it's you think it's this watershed moment and then it's kind of not, but that doesn't stop anyone from still wanting one. So I'm curious, how was that process for you? I mean, I think it's it's tricky. Like, I met with a handful of agents at first, and there were some people that I really gravitated towards and some people that I just felt I really didn't vibe with, and mm -hmm. they felt the same way about me. <laughs> um, and I finally landed, um, I finally found this woman, Rebecca Fiat, at uh, Sheldon Prosnet, which is now Artistry. Yeah. And she's just, like, totally got my work and got my personality, and she's like an incredible eye for talent. I think everyone she represents is incredible. So that was great. And she got me the next movie I did, which was All the Wilderness, that one I was just mentioning. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, besides the obvious brass tacks of she got you that movie, what do you think? Did she do anything for you in terms of, I don't know if it's like self-esteem or self-awareness or, because it seems like there needs to be that kind of conversation with them. Yeah, that was, that was a big part of it was just, that I think she helped me understand that like, I don't need to do every job that I'm offered and that mm. curating my career is important and that um, she gave me kind of, you know, she gave me confidence in my own taste and aesthetic and that like if I didn't believe in something, I shouldn't do it. And that... Um, it's amazing how we kind of need some, I don't know, permission is, is a word that comes to mind, even though it might not be totally accurate, but like permission to like feel the th things we feel 
from from like some sort of like gatekeeper in a sense. Yeah, and I think some some DPs are really good at doing that on their own and are very uncompromising. But for me, I, I think I come from a background where like if it's work, it's kind of valid in its own way. And so for me, it took some time to really understand how to curate my career and how to to really just embrace the projects that I really responded to as opposed to doing stuff because I felt like I needed to be working. Well, that's it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, speaking to someone that has, like we said, an eclectic, more of an eclectic reel stylistically. What is like, where, what is a rubric for that type of reel look like for you? Honestly, it all comes down to just working with the right people. Like for me, it's all about the people like project. The, the project is obviously important, but I tend to really just respond to a director's aesthetic and personality and what I think they're trying to go for. And if, if we vibe on that level, then we could kind of almost do anything mm. and it's going to have our voices in it. And I think that's what's exciting. It's not like I'm a car commercial guy or I'm a food guy or I'm a sports guy. It's I'm someone who, you know, I, re- I really respond strongly to to personality and just like vision and I really get excited by that and for me that's a huge part of it because I do feed off a director's energy I'm not looking to get hired so I can do my own thing entirely you know I mean that's part of it is that I want to bring my style and aesthetic to it but like like I said before I really love working with someone who's just super motivated to make Mm -hmm. something great and I think that sort of transcends uh, a specific genre or type or no that's cool I mean, I think that that ends up being what's required because the kind of people that start to get pigeonholed or they, they start to get genre-specific, you know, I would imagine there's a certain amount of, I don't know if it's creativity that's lost, but that there isn't this um, wonderment about what something could, what anything could be. Because, sure. you know, it's like an open, you're opening Pandora's box in a good way, not in like a well, reckless yeah. way. But I mean, at the same, on the same note, it is, there is something to be said about people who really do focus in on one specific part of the craft and Mm -hmm. their, their progression may be way more subtle to us than it is to other people. And it's like, you know, those are the people that are pushing the boundaries of those genres because they're, you know, they, they understand like, for example, like doing car work, like that's something I've done a decent amount of, but like there are guys out there who just do so much of it that, they know the technology and the approach so well that they can they can really push the industry and do cool stuff that like mm-hmm. maybe maybe to our eye is really subtle but within the scheme of things is like a big progression and I think that's cool because it really like at you know at a certain totally. point like just knowing the process of how that works it's like the learning curve is so steep that once you know all that you know once you have all that knowledge and skill it's really cool to see how they're pushing it yeah for sure especially if they're like a car nut and like they just thoroughly enjoy it, then who is anybody to say anything? Right. Um, but I think yeah. you know, everyone has their own niche, and I think like I try to learn from everyone because um, mm. I, I tend to feel like I kind of pull from a lot of different influences, and I I try to keep an eye on what people are doing, and I think um, you know a lot of people are better at me than certain stuff, but I really like learning from them and just you know not not necessarily taking their aesthetic, but just seeing how it influences how I see the world. So I think that's that's kind of what that's kind of the fun of it to me. 
Definitely. And I mean, going into the fact that a lot of these decisions are um, with who to partner with are based on how well you mesh and, and like the vibe of it all, especially in the music videos. Maybe it's, it might just be that music videos are kind of strange in their own right. But yours in particular, always the, the ones that I've seen tend to have odd elements that are really cool. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm curious because of the way that you were describing your collaborations, how far do you go into creative input? in terms of not just how you're going to achieve their idea, but affecting their idea? And like, what's your awareness in terms of stepping on those toes? Or if it, or is it not about that? Because I think sometimes right. a big question that I know I talk about with other DPs is like, how far do you go in terms of trying to be a part of that aspect, especially when it's something so creative? Yeah, and out that's, there? A, that's a great question. And it's something that like, I think we're always trying to, to figure out, um, and for me, it, again, it comes down to the people. And I try to work with people who I feel like trust me and respect, people that find a mutual respect with me, you know, and understand that, like, I'm not only a good technician, but that I see something in their idea and I feel like I can bring something creative to it. And mm -hmm. so it really depends on the directors. Some directors are super meticulous and know exactly what they want. And for me, it's more about, Part of it is executing it, and then the other part is just kind of like helping them elevate it and, you know, bolstering their ideas. Whereas some directors that I work with that I've been working with for a long time, you know, like stuff will just happen on set where we won't even talk about it, and I'll just run off and start shooting something, and they trust me that, like, that's going to be something useful to them. Or, you know, I'll chime in an idea on, like, blocking or even just, like, elements within the video or the movie or something, and you know, we'll have those discussions and they may or may not make it in, but I try to, I try to gauge the energy of the situation and, Oh yeah. And ideas when it like, when it makes sense, because a lot of times I think one mistake I made, not mistake, but one thing I kind of learned throughout the beginning of my career is when and when not to offer suggestions and ideas because yes, there's a learning curve on that in the beginning. Yeah. I've directed quite a bit now. I direct some commercials and music videos and documentaries and I've learned how incredibly stressful it is to be a director and how overwhelming it can be and to have you always have a million people coming up to you asking you questions and giving you suggestions and so for me I really try to be more of like a pillar of support and mm -hmm. to offer ideas on how to troubleshoot stuff or how to elevate things that already exist without like reinventing the wheel you know what I mean yeah so it's it's more about knowing that like for me it's the most important thing is that we're on the same brainwave and that my ideas are not coming out of left field but that they're important to the narrative and help you know elevate the creative as opposed to just like oh it'd be cool if this thing happened and not being realistic at all you know yeah no for sure throwing a wrench in the creative works is just not what anybody asked for yeah exactly so for me it's like i just try to get as good of a dial on what the director is trying to do creatively and a lot of it is just in the beginning it's just observing and listening and talking to them and just just trying to be a sponge and then the more i understand what they're going for the easier it is for me down the road to offer insight and ideas in a way that feels like it feels yeah. like it's a it's a mutual idea it's like something we came to together as opposed to just throwing out ideas that are my own ideas that are better than theirs or that they didn't think of you know what I mean yeah I mean yeah self-awareness and the ability to read people are so <laughs> necessary uh it, it's like if you if those things aren't happening even with talent I don't I don't think it's gonna go far um a lot of the work uh as of late with these music videos a lot of um one takes and I'm curious as to the uh workflow of that 
and the prep of that and like at what at what stage are you coming in and and because I would imagine that in certain ways the easiest aspect is the actual take and it's everything before I would uh, believe. Yeah, I would like to think that. Is that true? <laughs> well, well, enlighten me then. No, no, totally. There's, I mean, there's a lot of prep. I mean, all these one take videos. It's usually at least like a week or two of prep for me. Um, the director and the artist are usually working a long time in advance before that. Um, sure, yeah. it, really, it kind of depends on the project, but um, the last few videos I've done um, have been really technical in terms of they're all, you know, at least four minutes long. Um, they all involve like choreographed dance, some of them multiple dancers, and it's all obviously timed to the song. Mm-hmm. And so we're either using a tech, most of them we use a techno crane on. So a techno crane has a lot of different operators going on. So you've got someone who's operating the actual arm and you have someone who's operating what's called the pickle, which is like the telescoping part of the crane. Mm-hmm. Um, you have multiple people pushing the base of the crane on dolly track. You have the assistant cameraman who's obviously pulling focus, but in all of these videos is also doing zoom control. And then I'm on the wheels operating the head. So you have anywhere from like four to seven people operating this camera for one shot that's four minutes long. Jeez. So it's insanely elaborate and it's really just about practice and muscle memory. And getting everyone in sync. Um, we always talk about wanting to film the behind the scenes of doing these, but it always becomes too stressful that we never do it, and we always end up yelling and cursing at each other the entire time. <laughs> Probably better <laughs> that we don't show that to the world. Yeah. Well, how do you previs something like that? Um, so in some cases, so like the last few videos, um, like the in-studio ones that we've done, the director, Jake, has actually done like uh, the actual previs stuff in After Effects um, to just map out the camera movement oh, uh, because okay. he works really closely with um, the artists to design the videos, which I really love. He's very like his thing is that he really involves the artists with the video as opposed to just imposing this concept on them. Yeah, that's got to be welcomed by the artist for sure. He's really in tune with capturing their energy and their spirit and letting them feel like they're a part of it, which I think is what makes the video so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that comes through for sure. So they work a lot together before, oftentimes before I'm even involved. And then Jake will either build a previs or in some cases we'll just go out on the street and like shoot with an iPhone or um, like a little gimbal camera, um, just walking around, just walking through it. And then that gets further honed in as we talk about it. And we do like overhead diagrams and then, you know, on set we'll rehearse, we'll rehearse as much as we can before we start rolling. Yeah, because in a normal in a normal shoot, you know, you can come up with some ideas on the fly, and it's a work. You could work it in if it's if it's worth it. But it seems like here, that's kind of the only place that that's available is much earlier in the process. Yeah, it's all these videos are very dialed in. I think you know what we try to do as much as we can is get the technical stuff really dialed in, with the thought in mind that we want to give the artist some freedom to be loose. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like the camera move, the camera move may be super dialed in, but that's given the notion that we want the talent to like actually have a little bit of room to explore. So it's like we never try to create compositions where they're just forced into doing one exact thing. Right, right, right. Making it feel elegant and graceful, but also having this naturalism to it, which I think is what makes the videos really rad is that they're very composed, but at the same time, like... They feel loose. It never feels so stilted. Like, I still feel like you capture the energy of the people in the video. 
Yeah, and I th- I guess it also helps that you aren't you're always dealing with um actual musicians and they're not, you know, classically trained dancers or something which ends up that adds life to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're not tacticians. We, we did do one video for Cashmere Cat. That's the one. I don't know if you saw it on my site. With the ballerina dancers? Yeah, it's the dancers. Well, it's no, it's not the ballerina dancers. It's one where it's a woman on top of scaffolding on top of a mountain and she's falling down different tiers of scaffolding, which you should check out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I should. That's like, I like missed like two of them, and that must have been one of them, because that sounds incredible. You should definitely watch that one. That was yeah. by far the most complicated one we've done, and it was the first day. We were shooting on top of a mountain with 40 feet of scaffolding that this woman was falling down, and people were catching her, and the first day we went out to shoot, the winds were 45 miles an hour, and we couldn't even get the technocrane in the air. So we had to come back. We had to cancel the shoot and come back like a week later. But we finally got it. And it was it was insane. I mean, we had like 10 people on the techno crane because it was so windy. And we had a dancer like 40 feet up on an 8x8 platform that she had to stay on. <laughs> and, you know, she's falling backwards, like trust fall into people's arms. And we were just following the whole thing with one techno crane shot. So it was super insane and ambitious. But, you know, like we were just really lucky that we had an awesome team of technicians who could help us make it work yeah that's really cool now i mean you're balancing a lot of different genres and i'm curious do you ever have pause about you know one genre taking away from your ability to really go further in potentially the one genre that you really want to do like i don't know if if narrative is the be all and end all for you or if you enjoy this eclectic nature and just letting that ride like where do you want to where do you want to be going and are you actively trying to fling it that way I mean, movies are my passion and what I care most about and respond most to. Um, And that's really where I want to be is just, you know, shooting movies that, you know, tell stories I care about and Mm -hmm. working with people that not only are talented, but share some similar view on life. Because I think that's what it boils down to is when you relate to people, you know, you're, you're working, you want to work with people who have the same values as you and care about the same things you care about and, you know, if you if you work with those types of people, they're going to be telling the types of stories that you care about. And when you do that, you're going to make stuff that is like the most resonant and the most important and powerful, mm-hmm. like in terms of your own potential. And so for me, like that's that's kind of what I want to be doing is just making movies that I care about. And, you know, I love shooting commercials. I love shooting music videos because I get to work with a lot of different people and I get to, you know, play with New Year and I get to hire crew that I love and they teach me so much about our job and it's just nice to be around all those friends but um i i kind of treat those as like learning experiences and i the goal is to just bring that towards shooting more movies because that's like ultimately what i care about and what i'm that's the work i'm most proud of so i think you know i i think that in my life i'd always like there to be like a balance between all that work Um, Mm -hmm. but um movies are what i'm you know what i feel like i'm built for and why do you say that just because i just i really love digging into a project and I love just like longer term, you mean? Yeah. And I love the intricacies of telling a longer story because you get to you get to create patterns and repetition and you get to do a lot more subconscious storytelling, like stuff that people don't even realize you're doing that you're doing, you know, and I think that's really cool. What's a nice example of that for you? Um, you know, for me, like one thing is like choosing an arc with the lenses you use, you know, like mm-hmm, whereas mm-hmm. you might you might start really distant from a character and be using longer lenses to shoot close ups. And as the film goes on, you're slowly using wider and wider lenses so that to get the same close up, the camera needs to be much closer so that the audience, without even really realizing it, subconsciously feels 
closer to the character at the end of the film. Have you done that on, on one of your films? Um, I've done like versions of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. never it's never that cut and dry. Stories, you know, that's and that's what I love about narrative stuff is that like every scene is different and like the arc may over you know, the arc may be generally obvious to people but at the same time like what makes a movie interesting are the ups and downs so it's it may be like from scene to scene it's like okay in this scene we feel really distant from this character so we're going to use this lens for a close-up versus the next scene in the movie like we need to be feeling what they're feeling so we're going to be much closer on a wide how do you manage with like not being exactly sure if those types of um rules or quirks are going to work like how how do you manage wanting to be ambitious but like not running into an issue where like, oh shit, it's not working and we kind of are in a, a bad situation now? Um, I would say that most of the stuff that I tend to do, like the tools I tend to use are pretty subtle. So mm. for me, like if it's not working, it just means that like my mom won't feel anything different when she's watching the scene. Gotcha. <laughs> it's a funny way to put it, but it makes sense. It's like, like yeah, my, my buddy Doug, who's a DP, might be like, oh, I see what you tried to do there and like it kind of worked. But like... You know, at the end of the day, like I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not making movies for DPs to watch. I'm making movies for like everyone to see, and like that's, oh, yeah. that's what's important to me. So you know, I think it's, I think you know, you take the risks you take, you know, kind of vary from scene to scene. And I try not to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take a risk for the sake of taking a risk. You know, like the last movie I did, this movie Barry. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, there's certain scenes where. The director, Vikram, who's awesome, by the way, you know, he was like, I really want you to help me figure this scene out and to make it really sparkle and make it shine and, you know, maybe take some risks, maybe do it in one shot, that kind of thing. And then there are other scenes where, like, during prep, we had completely boarded everything. We had a lot of coverage, a lot of interesting, weird stuff. And he'd come up to me on the, the morning of that day and say, you know, what? I think we need to keep this simple and just shoot really simple coverage. And I at first it was a little frustrating because I was like, well, we had planned all this stuff this really cool stuff to do and he was just like i just want really standard coverage because i want to give i I don't i don't want to distract the actors with the shots we're doing or like trying to choreograph long oneers that are gonna gonna confuse them because we're working Mm -hmm. with a lot of young younger less experienced actors Mm -hmm. so i started to like understand and respect that more and, and and just realize that like there's a time to take risks and then there's a time to honor what's going on on camera and just Mm -hmm. like do your best to capture that as humanly and as intimately as possible. Yeah, I could see that being really frustrating. Yeah, I and mean, I think that's like, you know, like a very good example of that is Roger Deakins, who's like, who knows when to pull out all the stops, and he also knows when, like, shit just needs to be really simple <laughs> and really straightforward. And I think he does it so well that everything just feels so human and also really vivid and really intense and very intimate. So I think, you know, for me... The more I work, the more I learn when it's time to use my tools to really elevate stuff and when it's time to use my tools to just honor what's going on in front of me. Yeah, that was an interesting one in terms of the lens changing. Is there any, anything else that comes to mind that's totally. I mean, uh, in that vein? I mean, everything we use. I mean, anything from, you know, the lighting to the camera movement. You know, like one obvious thing is like going from handheld Steady yeah. cam, you know, that that's a huge thing. And in Barry, like we didn't want to do any handheld work. Um and we didn't do any handheld work, which was kind of amazing. I've never done a movie like that where we just decided the camera was never gonna be handheld. Um What made that decision? Um I think 
Bikram was just tired of seeing that aesthetic, and he does a ton of documentary works. Like mm. he, he comes from a documentary world, so I think he really wanted to revel in the fact that like yeah. he was. He we was, have some toys, and not even toys. It's just like again, it goes back to just being like, this can't. Why does the camera need to be shaking? It should just be nice and smooth and static, or just slowly moving, so that we can see these characters' faces. Like we're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to like yeah. fool the audience. You know, we're just we just want to give it to him straight. So I think that was a big part of why we decided to not do any handheld on that movie. And I also well, think that there's like a very, that aesthetic is like a little bit tired and independent in the independent movie world. So I think that was part of our reason not to do it. It's just, we didn't want it to end up being, you know, branded yeah. or anything. Well, that's an interesting thought process. Like how much do you allow, I guess, like, I don't know if the right term is outside influence, but like, allowing the choices that you're making to be affected by the current state of things versus, you know, just allowing the the film to be in a vacuum and being influenced strictly by the film. But I do know in, in, in every art, there's this trying to understand the dialogue that's happening in the art form and letting that, you know, dictate to a degree some choices like what you had just mentioned. But there needs to be like a balance. How actively are you thinking about those types of things when you're thinking about, you know, new ideas and who had done it before? And, you know, how much do you get bogged down in it versus saying, I'm just going to do what I think is right regardless? Yeah, I think I draw a lot of influence from the stuff I see. I think I draw most of my influence from like older movies from the 70s and 80s and earlier. Um, Why do you think that is? I think part of it is that it's kind of stuff that I was like educated with. And so mm. I wouldn't say that's entirely why, but um, I think that's the stuff I just got most excited about when I was younger. And like when I started seeing those movies, I just was like, oh, this is like movies can make me feel this way and they can look like this. Because I was raised on like 90s action movies and like yeah, yeah, same. You know, shitty, shitty like rom-coms and comedies. And, like, <laughs> I, I, I love that shit. Like, I, I think that stuff is so amazing. And I, I feel like a lot of my personality in terms of humor is due to those kind of movies. So I'm grateful for that. But like, when I started seeing movies that were like, like American movies from the 70s that were shot in New York, I was just like, oh, my God, I did not realize a movie could look like this. And I want to make that. And I think, you know, part of it was just the like, angsty teenager in me who likes dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then part of it was that it was just like, kind of scary and new and awesome so for me I think that's kind of like always left an imprint on me and then I also just respond to the color palettes and the brightness levels and the softness of older older stuff and just also the commitment to simplicity um, because I think we're just we're constantly um, barraged by all this all these possibilities of shit we can do with all the gear we have now and a lot of times it's just a distraction from telling the story and I really love movies that just didn't have, have a lot to work with, but did a really mm-hmm. good job of using their tools. And I think they, they're the most resonant to me. So I try to keep that in mind. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the simplicity is veiled complexity anyway. It, it, it's not, it's not um, some sort of detracting thing. Um, I guess, and I'm, I'm curious too, when, when you made Barry, was that already going slated for Netflix or did that come later? No, Netflix bought it after Premiere in Toronto. Cool. So, but was that your biggest set in terms of either budget or or investors? Like, I'm just curious as the as the as the responsibilities get higher, what may or may not be changing in terms of workflow in during prep or during production? Yeah, um, I think as far as movies, as the biggest movies, definitely like 
compared to a lot of the commercials I do, it feels much smaller and lower budget. Um, at the end of the day, shooting a, a movie in New York City is like a fucking grind, no matter what. It's hard. <laughs> and, like, you feel like you never have enough stuff, no matter what size movie you're working on, you know. And I, like, I think the only other bigger movie I've worked on is I did, I was the second unit DP on uh, Trainwreck, that Jet Apatow movie. The sure. Jimmy Life shot. So, like, that was a little different because I was mostly off on my own, shooting my own stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I totally lost my train of thought. And what was your question? Well, just how just how things change based on scale and if you're noticing, I mean, just if you're noticing ways that it's affecting your artwork, really. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I think I try to work with people who, no matter what the size of the film, like, are in it for the same reasons I am. You know, it's just to, like, tell a good story and to really exploit everyone's talent. So Barry, for example, it was a bigger movie, but in a lot of ways I felt like the producers trusted me more than any of the other movies I'd ever done. And I felt like I was completely on the same page with them. And we had, like, daily discourse about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And it was, you know, there were often, like, arguments, but they were productive ones where everyone respected what everyone mm-hmm. was saying. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was super exciting and really fun um, to work with those guys. But there is definitely, like, a different level of... Um, approval that needs to go through like some of the stuff i'm up for now like you need you know studios or companies need to approve the creatives you know they need to like check their resumes and go through their work and see that they make sure that they're going to make their actors look good and you know there's just like a little bit more bureaucracy that you have to go through which i get because they're spending more money but it definitely sometimes feels a little arduous but i i understand this is part of but you don't feel it you don't f- it affects the like outside the set stuff but in terms of what you're achieving your the the vision that you have with the director there's definitely a little more pressure on set yeah um just because you know when you're working with bigger actors the production's spending more money so they want to make sure their actors look good and that they get the appropriate screen time and like a lot of the stuff i shoot is really dark and really moody or the coverage is unconventional so you're not always seeing like a full frontal of someone's face but you might be mm-hmm. behind them or like to the side and you know i think that could make some people nervous but at the same time the, the producers that i like working with like they get that and they embrace that and they understand that it's you know, my way of helping elevate the story. So it's just like, you just have to be more aware of the risks you take and why you're taking them and have a very good reason for doing it. Just as opposed, as opposed to doing it for some indulgent reason, because you want to make it, you want to make it look cool for your real, you know? Yeah. Well, it looks like, it sounds like it's making you sharper in that sense. Like having sharper reasoning for, for, for your yeah, making. Exactly. Well, it just, it just whittles down what's important to you. And it's like, why am I, why am I taking this risk or why am I making this decision? Is it because it's helping tell the story better or is it because it's going to make me stand out in some way? So I try to gravitate towards the former as opposed to the latter, which like coming from film school where everyone's trying to like one up each other and trying to make the coolest looking thing, um, you kind of have to learn to like slow your roll a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I guess then it sounds just looking forward that you're hoping for more features and yeah, totally. And um, with any kind of aesthetic in mind, or it really it it seems to just be more about the people and making sure that it's stories that resonate. Yeah, I think for me, I I really respond to strong dramas, but I think what's happening right now in the indie world is so awesome that there's like so much genre bending, you know, between thrillers and horror and comedy. Like there's just so much going on right now that it seems like there's no reason to say I'm this guy or that guy. 
It's really yeah. just about responding to stories where I'm like, oh my God, I can totally relate to what this person is saying. And I feel like I can do something visually that is interesting and elevates it. And to me, that's like all that really matters. And then I'm working with people that I respect and that respect me. So like, it's pretty much as simple as that. You know what I mean? It's really not about saying I only do this kind of movie. I, I love all sorts of, I, I love everything. I just really have to just feel honest and come from like a genuine place have some sort of aesthetic vision to it right on right on well i mean listen man thanks so much for um sitting down it was great to uh to, to pick your brain and and hear about all this stuff the, the music videos you've been putting out recently have been really exciting and uh oh, thanks, man. i mean shit dude they're they're lighting up the internet so <laughs> it's been fun for sure yeah. yeah i think people are uh people are enjoying yeah it's been cool it's it's fun to do those projects because it's Music videos can be so exhausting and really difficult just because you don't have a lot of money or time and you're trying to get 100 shots in one day, but it's really fun to just focus all of your creative energy into one shot. So that it's, it's just really gratifying. And it also, I mean, it is one of those, I, I'm realizing now that I've wanted to ask this before we end, like, because it also lets you collaborate with some incredible talents in other industries. Because, I mean, to work with, to work with Chance... And Kanye, um, that's pretty unbelievable. Did was there anything that you feel like you weren't expecting in terms of either learnings or experiences that really, you know, either helped this project in particular or just your the way you view art in general or anything like that? Um, yeah, I think it's as chance as an example, like that guy is a total genius and also a total sweetheart. And I've done three projects with him now. We've done two music videos and we just did a big project that will be coming out probably next year oh, cool. um, and I think one thing I learned is that he like he doesn't have a huge grasp on what's feasible in the production world like he, he's he's I'm realizing he understands it more and more and he's also just like a really sharp guy so he he's quick to learn but mm -hmm. you know he has some really crazy ideas that I would normally just scoff at and kind of be like oh this guy is just naive and doesn't know either what he wants or what's possible Mm -hmm. But what I but what I realize is that we just have slightly different vocabularies for how we talk about what we're doing. You know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, I see what you're what you're getting at. Now it's like our job to interpret that in our own language, in our own vocabulary, in our own technical process. Yeah, interdisciplinary projects like that's yeah like the the vernacular and just changes. And I also realize that like people people who are successful and talented as him didn't get there by just like doing what they thought was possible. And I think hmm. people like him and Jake, the director of those videos, like they really push me to not write an idea off because I think it's not possible. And they just be like, no, how do we actually make this work? How can we do it? And, you know, sometimes it'll not work out or we'll have to change the plan. But it's like anything, anything in mind that you thought was like not doable and then ended up being a part of the, those videos. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, shooting a four minute techno crane shot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like the vid the video itself jared was fucking impossible <laughs> like did you see the may i have this dance one that just came out of like a month ago maybe yes yes it's great so like that one there's like you know we're shooting through a mirror and then we zoom in pull out to see chance and then we do this long thing with chance and then the, you know there's lighting cues and everything and i think the whole thing seems digestible but it's just like it's just a daunting task you know what i mean so I think there wasn't any one specific thing. I think one of the things that we thought was going to be impossible was on this cashmere cat video, which is, I mentioned, which you haven't seen with the dancers. Like there's one part of the shot where 
the camera actually dutches 90 degrees on its side yeah. and then falls with the dancer and tracks her. Like, the camera dutches the same rate she's falling, yeah. which meant, like, a third guy. Like, I was operating the pan and tilt the wheels, but then I had a third guy who was – his only job was to operate the dutch. Yeah. And so he had to do it – he had to get into it really slowly to go vertical. And then as she fell, he had to, like, whip the wheel so that the camera perfectly follows – her rate of falling um you'll see it if you watch the video the first couple times we did it it was like this is something that i it was an idea i'd had and i brought it up with jake the director and he was like i don't know let's try it and we tried it a few times and it was we were totally failing i thought jake was going to mix it and then i convinced him to let us try it a few more times and we started nailing it and it was just like it was really rad to see that because i think a lot of people responded to it and i don't think it makes or breaks the video by any means but it was just a cool um, it's just something I hadn't really seen before, and it was really—it was just fun to have that extra technical challenge that I think kind of elevated it. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds like working with people that push it in their own worlds. Uh, yeah. When you're collaborating with them, they're they're pushing you now, and that's nice. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, cool, dude. Well, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Have a good one.